I can only say, God bless the Prince of Wales and God save us from his architectural judgment. Uh, that's not me. <laughs> Those words belong to Lord Peter Palumbo. And he's, he's best known as the man who tried to bring a Mies van der Rohe building in, into the, the ceremonial heart of old London. Back in the 1960s, Palumbo, he was then a property developer, pre-peerage, and he commissioned the revered modernist architect to design a, a bronze 19-storey office block with a, with a public plaza. The Prince of Wales, as he was then, uh, gave a, a speech in 1984, and he said the building would, quote, further ruin, unquote, London's skyline. It would dwarf St Paul's with, quoting again, yet another glass stump. Uh, plans for the tower were rejected a few years later. And it's just one of uh, uh, many examples of the new king's distaste for the modern in architecture. He's expressed that in speeches, in documentaries and in books. And, of course, in his own gestures in the built environment. Uh, to discuss, Jack Self joins us. Jack is an architect, writer, editor of the magazine The Real Review, and he also charted the history uh, behind the, the thwarted Mies van der Rohe Tower in his, his 2018 book, Mies in London, which is where Jack joins us from today. Jack, welcome. Thank you so much. For those coming afresh to King Charles's relationship to architecture, how would you define it? How would you describe it? Well, I think you captured some of the aspects very well. Uh, Charles, of course, I, my instinct is to call him Prince Charles, the artist formerly known as, as Prince, King Charles III, has been vocal uh, in his criticism of uh, modernist architecture for almost four decades. And he rejects it on aesthetic grounds and uh, for being dehumanizing. I think his admirers would say, yes, Charles is a traditionalist. He's trying to preserve the historical fabric of Britain's built environment. Uh, and he not only talks the talk, as you mentioned, through his uh, manifesto uh, book, uh, A Vision for Britain from 1989, uh, which extols the virtues of local materials and local uh, techniques. Uh, he's founded a school. He's guest edited prominent magazines. He's given speeches to the Institute of British Architects. Uh, but that he also walks the walk, as you said, uh, he himself has designed a Regency-style firehouse, uh, and he established a, a model uh, village, um, a Poundbury, a kind of neoclassical uh, town of 6,000 people in the south of England. Now, his critics would say uh, that Charles has intervened both publicly and behind the scenes at least four times in the planning uh, process to influence the outcome of modernist projects, and uh, at least three of those have been cancelled entirely. Uh, uh, th this is, is generally considered a rather undemocratic um, uh, position to take, mm. uh, uh, even within a constitutional monarchy. And um, I, I think probably the, the pinnacle of criticism from the architectural establishment came in 2009 when uh, there was an open letter written by Zaha Hadid uh, Frank Geary, Norman Foster, and, and the great and the good of contemporary star architecture opposing his uh, interference in a Richard Rogers project in London. If I were to go on a little further, uh, Charles's book is, is romanticized. It's uh, an overly simplistic view of uh, regional architecture. 
And there are both practical and economic reasons that we no longer use things like thatch or, or napped flint uh, as construction techniques. Um, and his own architecture has been very, very widely derided uh, as kind of style of substance. Um, his his firehouse is is a is a peculiarly unattractive building in which plastic gutters protrude out over the front of uh, neoclassical pastiche ornaments. And uh, Poundbury, his town, really suffers from. Uh, ideological planning decisions. Uh, famously, it has very narrow streets inspired by Georgian uh, town layouts, um, and these uh, become havens for uh, crime and muggings. Um, and perhaps uh, the story that I like best, of course, the town was planned out by a man called Leon Creer, whose uh, uh, principal claim to fame is that he rather admiringly once interviewed Hitler's architect, uh, Albert Speer. Um, Within the town, uh, every single home has a false fireplace and false chimney. Many of these were uncapped, which led to uh, problems uh, with them filling up like uh, fish tanks and causing the uh, plaster to explode into dining rooms, uh, covering uh, bourgeois families at their meal. Um, so I think if I were to summarize, uh, mm. his his architectural position is to reject uh, modernism entirely and to ridicule modernist uh, architects uh, at, at every opportunity. I mean, he's not alone in, in, in making a, a critique of modernism, but it, it, it would seem, though, that his is based purely on, on nostalgia. I think that's right, but we shouldn't um, think of his position as being particularly unusual given the position in society that he occupies. Mm. Uh, I might make a broader point on that, which is to compare Charles with Queen Elizabeth and to assess perhaps what his kingship might be like. I mean, Elizabeth has, has been described as the first post-imperial monarch, uh, but it is the case that when she inherited uh, the throne in 1952, rationing was still underway in Britain. Yep. And the task of, of modern architecture at that time was to rebuild a, a completely destroyed uh, country and capital city and to modernize life, to provide people with a higher standard of living. And of course, it was necessarily international and global uh, in its outlook uh, and uh, humane and humanist in, in its approach. And I think that's very much in step with Elizabeth's own attempts to manage the decline of the empire to transition to commonwealth and to give individual nations greater freedom. Can we go back to that moment that we mentioned, the, the Miss van der Rohe uh, imbroglio in, in London? Just a sketch of, of how that came about and, and, and the prince's subsequent involvement? It's a complex and fascinating page-turner the project was originally commissioned in the early 1960s by a very young Peter Palumbo. Uh, but because one section of the site was owned on a long lease by the Bank of New Zealand, it couldn't be constructed until the early 1980s when the lease expired. And of course, between the 60s and the 80s, there was a huge transformation in public opinion towards modernist architecture. And there was, uh, through postmodernism, a renewed interest in historical preservation. Uh, the building uh, subsequently had its planning questioned, and it went up for a public inquiry. On one side was Palumbo and the great and the good of British architecture supporting this project. 
And against it was uh, most prominently Margaret Thatcher, who didn't object to the project on aesthetic grounds, but objected to the creation of a huge public square next to the Bank of England, which she felt would Hmm. be a location for uh, (laughs) protests and uh, that that this was not acceptable. Uh, In the case of Prince Charles, it's it's a very difficult story. Palumbo was a close friend of Charles. He was a very close friend of Diana Spencer's. Charles and Palumbo were on the same polo team. And Charles seems to have objected to this building on numerous grounds in spite of his friendship with Palumbo. I I don't think he liked the idea that a public square would be created in the city of London for the first time in 200 years without the involvement of a monarch. Uh, I don't think he cared for the aesthetic of the building, and I don't think he liked the way in which Palumbo went about it. His direct intervention in the project is extremely suspect. He was listed in the witness list in the public inquiry, and then before the inquiry began, he was removed. And I think this is rather indicative of his general approach, which is by simply being named as a potential witness, mm. he made his position extremely clear. Uh, but then, uh, of course, uh, it would be unacceptable for him to use his position of power to directly influence the outcome. And so he he stepped back. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, as Palumbo himself uh, once uh, the, the said, point you know, was the made. damage was done. Yeah. Exactly. I'm curious. Describe the building. The building is one of the greatest buildings never to be built in Britain. It's a really elegant tower, typical of Mies van der Rohe's late work. And it's made in bronze, in travertine, in amber-colored glass. Uh, Perhaps those listeners who are familiar with the Seagram building in New York will have some idea of the type of uh, aesthetic we're dealing with. It was designed to fit with all of the proportions of the adjacent buildings. And um, it very cleverly diverted a single street uh, in plan in order to restore an entire section of the city of London from a rather hodgepodge medieval street layout to restore something of the Roman grid. Mm. So it's, it's deeply uh, rooted in classicism, uh, and it would have been an incredibly expensive and high-quality building. I mean, London has subsequently embraced the star architects with, <laughs> with some enthusiasm. Well, of course, the irony is that adjacent to the site where the building would now be is Bloomberg's headquarters, a building uh, which is over uh, six times larger than the Mies van der Rohe uh, building. Uh, in addition to that, of course, at the time that it was proposed in the 1980s, there were almost no towers or, or skyscrapers in London. Now, uh, many people will be familiar with the city of London skyline, uh, including such great hits as the walkie-talkie, the Gherkin, and various other types of uh, <laughs> fairground attractions. Now, this was not Charles's only sort of direct intervention. Tell me the story here of the Chelsea barracks. Uh, the Chelsea uh, Hospital is much like the Invalide in Paris, uh, a place where uh, veterans retire in the centre of London under the auspices of the monarchy. And adjacent to that, Richard Rogers had designed a glass and steel housing block. And Prince Charles uh, 
intervened in ways which still remain rather unclear. He appears to have put pressure both openly and behind the scenes on the owners of the land, as well as commissioning an alternative scheme uh, in a neoclassical style. And uh, the, the means by which he was attempting to contact the owners to influence the development process uh, is what led to the, the famous uh, open letter by uh, Norman Foster, Zaha Hadid, Frank Geary, and many others who, who accused him of intervening in an undemocratic way to pervert the public planning process. Okay, complex. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, the commentary since Charles's ascension has been that he will have to modify his his public commentary around things like environment and climate change. His his, his discussion of architecture has not been so much uh, to the, to the forefront. But uh, I mean, a companion to that that climate change thinking is his, and you've touched on this, Jack. His thoughts around sustainability. But from what I'm gleaning from what you say, that his his conviction to sustainability might be more to a sort of a, a Gabriel Oak period of small-scale hand-threshed agriculture rather than to something more modern and coherent and, and based more around, um, you know, sort of a, a big picture uh, environmental sustainability. It's, an, again, another expression perhaps of nostalgia. I think that's right. Even a a broken clock is right twice a day. And in this case, Charles is perfectly uh, correct in the statements he makes about our need to radically change our relationship with the natural world and to uh, fundamentally change the way in which our economies operate. Um, however, I think his strategies are uh, anachronistic and, and out of step with uh, what we understand about climate change. For example, it is right that we should be using more local materials and local construction techniques in order to reduce the carbon impact of global uh, transport of building materials. However, the cost of construction and maintenance of something like a thatch roof, let alone its inappropriateness from a fire standpoint, uh, means that his uh, proposals are uh, misaligned with those objectives. Thatch roofs have, have recurred in this conversation, Jack, and I, I, I'm taking that that is one of the King's enthusiasms. It is. In A Vision for Britain, his 1989 manifesto, he carefully documents all of the regional construction methods across the four nations of the United Kingdom and argues that these should be very tightly um, uh, uh, constrained within those uh, regions. Okay, let's... <laughs> I'm not sure of the point I mean, of that as an it's argument. It's kind of a bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a bizarre idea. Essentially, I think uh, one should characterize um, his approach as deeply conservative, with a small c. And this attitude towards conservation essentially says that the past was better than the present. The past is something that should be preserved exactly as it is where it still exists and should be recreated where it no longer exists. And this leads to very strange outcomes like Poundbury, where you have this totally anachronistic 18th century village, which has been constructed using modern construction techniques and modern materials. So there's also a fair level of hypocrisy. Uh, even within his own buildings. Um, if it were the case that you wanted to reconstruct Georgian architecture, then 
you should be doing things like using very low levels of cement and mostly a lime-based mortar in mm. order to allow the bricks to expand and, and move. In fact, what we see is very standard, very high, strong cement and very poor quality bricks being used. I mean, these are just minor examples of, of the lack of consistency in the vision and the execution. Well, we look forward to um, kingly interventions in, 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 in the built and rural environment. I mean, do you think he will be able to constrain himself as king? I think he will. Um, I'm rather optimistic uh, that uh, this entire discussion will be rendered futile by the passing of time because of the nature of his small-scale and parochial approach towards Britain and his lack of interest in uh, global uh, in influence of, of Britain. At least that's how I uh, perceive it. Um, I would imagine that the direction of the monarchy now is much more towards those of somewhere like Sweden or Denmark. I mm. don't think anyone would know the names of those monarchs. Uh, so I, I think this era of uh, you know, the Brit British monarchy uh, uh, having huge influence over you know, up to a quarter of the world is is very far behind us. And we're witnessing now a kind of a scaling down of Britain in its ambitions and in its influence uh, and I think in that sense, Charles is the perfect monarch for Britain at this time. Jack, on that note, many, many thanks. My great pleasure. Thank you again. Jack Self is an architect, writer, author of the book, Mies in London. Uh, he's also editor of the architecture magazine, The Real Review. Getting in touch with ABC RN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.